Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Costa Sunglasses, Turtle Box Audio, Florida Fishing Products, All Hands Vodka, and Orvis Fly Fishing. When it comes to the outdoors, there's no way around it. Sometimes the weather sucks. Recently on a trip to the Florida Keys, I had an opportunity to sit down with Captain Ian Slater and make the most of some bad weather days. Ian has built an incredible reputation as a guide when it comes to chasing the big three, tarpon, bonefish, and permit. In this podcast, we discuss his transition from being a professional hockey player to a fishing guide, how to effectively learn a fishery, tips on chasing permit, and how he approaches tournaments. I learned a ton from my time with Ian and hope that you enjoy our time together. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you, you know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet. And then it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes just that quiet space is, is what we need, and especially in this day and age. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. Beep, 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 beep. No one else knew anything anyway, and you're just might definitely making it up if you're going along. But so what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? That's look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's gonna be. All right, well, hey, Ian, thanks so much uh, for letting me stop by and hopping on the podcast. Got weathered out, and it's going to be a, a, a great, great podcast day. <laughs> yeah, man, I appreciate it. Um, definitely getting uh, hammered by some, some weather here right now, so it's, uh, it's all worked out great. Yeah, man, so I'd, I'd love to hear just first and foremost kind of how you got into fishing and got into the Keys and, and really began your, your career as a guide. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I... Grew up in South Florida, and my parents uh, relocated us up to uh, Satellite Beach. And um, I'd say from there, that's when I really, I guess, started to learn about fishing and in, enjoying to fish. Uh, we had the Banana River, Indian River, and then, um, you know, anything that we do on the beach right, you know, right across the street from where I grew up. So I'd say that was, you know, my first real, um, first real, like, you know, formal, you know, chance to start fishing as a kid. Um, and then later on, I, you know, I got into sports so that, you know, kind of took me away from, you know, regular activities as, mm -hmm. as such and, uh, picked it back up in college. And I guess at some point or another with work, I came to a crossroads and was trying to figure out, you know, what, what I want to put my time and energy into. And, um, at the time my, my girlfriend's parents were living down here. So kind of made a big jump and transition on a whim and, um, you know, got a job down here at the fly shop, folding t-shirts and uh you know figured out the business along the way from there so it was i guess you say a very unorthodox way of uh, you know approaching the fishery and uh but yeah it was uh you know the better part of my fishing was was as a kid doing redfish and snook and and uh, you know baby tarpon um which you know later transitioned to kind of doing the same thing down here but at just a much higher level and 
um, you know, far more challenging fishery. Hmm. So, um, what sports did you play growing up? Uh, I think as a, you know, as a kid, it was, you know, kind of searching for, for a sport, uh, did baseball, but then I transitioned to hockey when I was played roller from six or seven, uh, until we moved up to central Florida, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was nine, uh, there wasn't just an established roller league up there. So parents just offered like, you know, if I wanted to try ice hockey and uh, I did that down here or, or my last year in, in South Florida and uh, started playing out of Pembroke Pines and then parents moved me up to Satellite and there was a rink in Rockledge about 30, 40 minutes away from the house. And it, uh, it kind of just snowballed from, you know, doing it for fun and then realizing pretty early on, like, Hey, I'm, I think I'm pretty good at this. And then mm-hmm. realizing, yeah, I am really good at this. And it, uh, it ultimately, you know, transitioned to moving out of the state and, um, you know, looking for, you know, just higher level of competition and to, uh, you know, getting a college degree and playing a couple years pro. Oh, man, that's awesome. So you were talking about when you were trying to figure out career wise, like yeah. what you wanted to do. Tell me about that season just a little bit. Uh, well, my, like my last year that I played. Yeah. Basically. And just kind of how you, you said you kind of moved yeah, down a whim, but just curious, like what yeah. that process was like for you. So I signed out of college when I was, I was 23. Um, so I'd say that was, you know, you're a, you're already at the the latter end of your career is just, just a, you know, just being a free agent. And, um, so after the first year with Philly, I had hip surgery, uh, which was, you know, the first major surgery I had. And I was already kind of tossing around the idea, like, you know, what's, what's life going to be after sport? Cause it's really all, you knew. Mm-hmm. um, I got a pretty funny story about, uh, you know, getting a resume down here, but yeah, you, you, it's all you know. And so you start to have these honest conversations with yourself, like, you know, what do, what do, what other interests do I have and mm-hmm. what other passions do I have? Do I see myself working at a, you know, a logistics company or doing medical sales or, or whatever might have you? Um, so then I signed with Toronto's Farm Club in Orlando and uh, had a pretty bad injury that year too and kind of put everything in perspective as if, uh, you know, either this next season I'm going to go overseas and play um, and, you know, do that route, or I'm going to kind of, you know, make a move and, and I want to do this guiding thing. And mm-hmm. it was pretty singular focus and, um, it was tough. I mean, it was, a, it's definitely not an easy decision again, cause it's, it's something you've done for the better part of your, your mm-hmm. life. It's your identity. And now your transition is something totally new and you've got very little background and very little understanding for that point of, of what it takes to, to compete at this level as a, as a guide. And, um, but I think that was what was so grav, you know, gravitating towards me down here was like the, it, it felt like there was a level of, of competition. It mm-hmm. felt like it was more than just going out there and, and fishing. There was there was some intensity to it. There was a heartbeat. There mm-hmm. was um, you hear you know you heard stories about Steve and just his drive and his commitment and just relentless um, approach on the water. And I was like, I, I like that. I get that. Mm-hmm. That's that's something I you know, that I'm doing, but just doing it in a different area. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was not an easy decision, but you know, I still look back at it as like, you know, one of the, you know, the best decisions I've made as far as career wise goes. Hmm. Now what's the resume story? I remember, you know, I was, I was running a hockey camp in Daytona and I was just kind of burnt out from it. And so I, I was toying around with the idea, like again, about coming down here and trying to figure it out. And so I, drove down with my wife or girlfriend at the time and 
I walked into the, the angling company and I asked if they, you know, they were hiring and, um, the gentleman at the time working there was like, nah, we're, you know, we're, we're full. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. So I walked down to the saltwater angler and everyone's like real dapper looking with their Columbia t-shirts. And I was like, I don't know, this might not, might not be the look I'm going for as it is right now. But I asked him for a resume and, you know, like he gave me one and I took it back home and I sat down with my girlfriend at the time and I was looking at it and I was like, wow, I've got, you know, they're asking for like my employer's number. And I was like, man, I guess I could put my, you know, my GM's number down from the yeah. Philadelphia and then from Toronto. <laughs> but like I, outside of that, I've got, you know, not a lot more experience in all mm-hmm. that. And I kind of, you know, I wouldn't say I was defeated, <laughs> but I was like, man, you got, you got, you know, you, you better figure this fishing thing out because on, on paper, you don't have a whole bunch going for you other than, you know, being an athlete. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah, it was an honest moment thinking like, this is, you know, you're maybe you should stick with fishing or, or stick with hockey or, or, you know, really, if you're going to do this fishing thing, go at it and go at it hard. So did, did you uh, get the job? No, I didn't even fill out the resume. <laughs> <laughs> it was just the moment of realizing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's interesting. Cause I think, you know, a handful of people, they, they kind of make these shifts where, you know, one, I haven't met many people from Florida that played hockey, yeah. ice hockey. But to make a big shift from like, I mean, every every athlete pretty much makes this at some point. But most people haven't made a shift from like, I'm in this huge sphere over here of like ice hockey, yeah. professional athletics. Now I'm down in the keys trying to get into fishing. So how did how did you go from that moment of, okay, like, do I really want to make this jump to getting into guiding? And what did that season of life look like at the beginning for you? Uh, well, I mean, it... it kind of was, you know, like I said, I came down and, um, a good friend of mine and, and, uh, an old coach from baseball, uh, Frank Atino, uh, put a good word in for me at, you know, for, with Nathaniel and, you know, they said like heading into tarpon season, they, you know, they might need, you know, the extra help and mm-hmm. they'd be willing to, uh, you know, to give me a, a part-time job there. So, um, once I got, you know, once I had that on the table, like, basically called my GM the next day and said, Hey, I'm going to go down to Key West and fold some t-shirts at a fly shop and try to (laughs) put this all together with time. And, you know, it was a little bit of like, you know, love you, hate to see you go thing, but you know, we get it and, uh, moved, moved down probably a week after that. And, uh, I want to say that would have been in October and, uh, started working at the fly shop and basically my schedule was, you know, I had to be at the shop at one or I think it was one or no two at that time. And so I'd fish from sun up to like basically 1 PM and or 1 15 PM. And then off the water at like one thirty in my truck, but like one thirty eight driving to the shop, not showered, not eaten, not mm-hmm. anything just to get there on time. And I did that for, uh, the better part of, you know, a little over a year and a half, I guess. And then kind of just got to the point where, I was fishing, um, kind of just rolled into the position as a guide because I, you know, I was available and if tri- a trip came through the shop that I couldn't fill or, mm-hmm. um, or guys didn't want to take, I would, you know, I would take it. So it just, the, especially the guiding thing just really kind of happened organically on its own. It started with one person that I would fish for a couple days a year and then fish their friends and then take some overflow from a couple of the other guides here in town. And, you know, before you know it, I think my first season, you know, with tarpon, I was fishing, you know, 90 to 100 days. And then the next year after that was closer to 200. And before you know it, you're, you know, you're, you're in the mix and, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're fishing a bunch. 
what for you is kind of your mindset or, or process in trying to learn the fishery? So you came down, you got a job in the the realm, you know, mm-hmm. you work in a fly shop, so you're, you're one foot in the door in the mix a little bit, but for you, like on trying to put together the puzzle pieces of everything, what did that look like for you? Well, again, it, like a lot of it was, you know, I, I had, I was fishing or was working at the shop, I think four days a week, maybe even more than that at times. So, um, you know, the better time of my, my, like initially on the water was fishing again from sun up to like that 1 PM. And so I was pretty, I was limited by time. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't go say run in the Marquesas or I couldn't, you know, drive up to, you know, big pine or, or run to big pine. I was kind of, so a lot of the fishing was done just, you know, kind of right around Key West and you'd form these relationships with these spots that you, you feel like you're starting to understand and build a relationship with. And you've fished that a bunch, you know, you're, you're fishing this one little zone that you know a lot and you Mm -hmm. feel like you're starting to figure out every little nuance to it. And, um, then all of a sudden that would dry up. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're like, okay, I need to go learn new water. And you just take everything that you knew there and and trying to apply it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that was your confidence at the time was like, okay, I know on low water, these fish are going to be kind of favoring this edge because for whatever reason there was a little bit more current and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And you just try to apply that and, and then furthermore, it was just, you know, being on the water, you know, all the stuff that was, that kind of came to me that I still hold really, really special. And, um, you know, you just kind of stumble on, mm-hmm. you know, it just, you're just being present, being on the water, um, allowing yourself to be available to, to learning. And, um, so I would say, yeah, the biggest thing was for me, was just time on water. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was fortunate to be around a bunch of different fishing guides, but I never had a, like a mentor in this fishery. It was just kind of going out there and, you know, failure and success, a heck of a lot more failure than success. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, at, at least you learn where to not be or where not to go at this stage of the time. And, you know, eventually you hit it right and it all kind of came together. You mm-hmm. know, it makes sense why, you know, they come here at this stage and they high water, they're over here and low water, they dump out there. Um, you know, it all, it all kind of comes together, but there's, there was certainly not like overnight success far from it. You said, uh, earlier that early on you, once you kind of started to put the pieces together, you got really rigid and you'd have a piece of paper, like yeah. an actual piece of paper. And you'd be like six o'clock here, seven o'clock yeah. here, eight o'clock there. Um, and then you said you got to a point where you wanted to kind of move away from that. Could you just kind of explain a little bit in your guiding career, kind of how you went from like probably a little bit of a chicken with a head cut off trying to run into stuff to yeah so rigid that you had that at least enough knowledge to know this is where I want to be at 11 p.m. or yeah. not 11 p.m. well maybe, about maybe. 11 a.m. sometimes and and then you got to where you wanted to get out of that could you talk me through that a little bit yeah I mean I think like you said I said you you, you initially you don't even know what you don't know hmm. so you're kind of just beating around and you know you're doing what you f- you're doing what you feel is you know right and you find a little success and then you, you build on that, but you're still like very rigid with your approach because mm-hmm. you only know so much. And then, um, you know, that fishing might dry up or you might just get bored with it. And then, you know, you leaning against this, like this structured piece of paper, which is like probably the athlete in me and like mm-hmm. knowing like, okay, if I do this, I'm going to have this much success. And, and really seeing that on, on, in front of you is again, like brought confidence. Um, but I, it just got away from like, you know, just going fishing and feeling free mm-hmm. and, um, and letting it kind of all come to you and not trying to force the issue. And, um, 
and I, and I think that was, I mean, I'd, I'd say even more to today, like that's very much try to like to try to fish that way, just very intuitively. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you've been out there and you've been fishing hard and you've been doing all the right things leading up to like tournament prep or, or even day to day fishing, like you, you know where the fish should be and you mm-hmm. know what they should be doing. Um, but I don't, I just don't like the feeling like I have to be somewhere at some specific time anymore. Like I just want to go fish and, mm-hmm. um, you know, make all the right choices, to the best of my ability along the way under that, that type of, you know, intuitive fishing. Um, but not feel like handcuffed to like doing just one thing. Um, cause so many times you might get to where you want to be and there's someone there mm-hmm. and like, what do you do? Or you're just totally clouded out and you got to go find some lighter bottom or you got to find, um, super calm. You got to go find some current, you know, to break up the surface tension. Um, just stuff like that. And just, I think it uh, avails you to more opportunity. Mm-hmm. So how did you end up, you came down here and obviously you wanted to get into fishing. Did you come down here knowing you wanted to focus on permit or was that something that kind of evolved as you got connected to the fishery? I mean, I think, yeah, it, I, I had, I guess I had this definitely this, this, this hyper fixation on permit initially. Um, and I think that was just the challenge. Like it was kind of like the, the hardest thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I wanted to catch my first permit all on my own and, you know, going out there waiting, um, and, and doing it that way, had opportunity to go fish with other guys to do it, but it was kind of like this, you know, a little bit, maybe too much pride and stubbornness. Uh, but yeah, knowing, you know, coming down here, I knew I wanted to, to pursue permit and, mm-hmm. and whether, whatever that brought along the way, um, I was very open to, um, but it was, you know, just the idea of like, you know, why are these things so challenging? Like mm-hmm. what, you know, and, and furthermore, if like this guy can do it and that guy can do it, like, I, I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. I want to go out there and see if I'm capable. When, when did you really like, when did permit come on your radar? Was that something you, as a kid you or saw on TV or what, what, no, honest, what was that? Honestly, I think it was, uh, just in college, you know, just, I think social media was starting to get popular and the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole, uh, fly fishing film tour was a big deal too. And, mm-hmm. you know, Will Benson was putting videos out and, um, you know, some of the stuff that guys were doing in Mexico and it just, it just, I don't know, the fish was just. I mean, it tails, it gotten mm-hmm. super shallow. They're big fish. Like it was the right amount of crazy that I think I was looking for at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and still am, I mean, it like it legitimately grabbed me enough to walk away from, you know, sport and uh, to come pursue this wild animal. Um, but yeah, I would say it was definitely the, just the challenge. Like that was really, really interesting to me. With the tournament aspect of things, how did that kind of factor in as, you know, you come in, you, you upgrade from t-shirt folding to full-time guide, and then how did the tournament factor kind of tie in? Um, well, initially it started, you know, I guess the first tournament I did was with Kat the Merkin. Um, just opportunity presented itself, and I was actually thinking about it last night, like, you know, geez, you had no idea what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you had some fish around, but you, you didn't really know how to, you, you didn't have the literature. You didn't have the, the, the means of like explaining how you go and catch one of these fish. And Kat mm-hmm. was, you know, she was new to it herself, but still very capable. But, um, and I, so I think it kind of, again, like it just kind of happened organically. I never mm-hmm. really set out to, to, to want to start fishing, to do the tournaments, but I did, you know, hearing the stories of, you know. Rob Fordyce and Dustin Huff and Scott Collins and mm-hmm. like, you know, 
and having the ability to kind of share the fishery with them. And you see them on the water, and you're like, holy smokes, those guys are, those are the heavyweights. Mm -hmm. um, that'd be pretty cool to go down that path one day or share, you know, some of the accolades that they've, they've accomplished along the way. Um, and then I started fishing Nat, um, one of the permit tournaments and that's that kind of transition just doing the tarpon stuff and um so i guess again like i never really had this all charted out it just kind of again you you find an angler who's interested in the tournaments you mm -hmm. you first of all you you know you you evaluate each other you're like i oh, mean can we do this this is something that's possible are we catching fish in our everyday fishing um where we can go do it when the lights are lit in mm -hmm. a tournament um and i think it kind of worked out that way it's just you know you find an angler you guys are fishing 30 40 days a year and you know you're trying to you know be on average of a fish every other day or you know fishing every three days or you know whatever um and then you know you have those conversations like this is something we can do and would i want to fish with you would you want to fish with me and then it just you know kind of goes from there but um yeah i don't think i i never really over engineered the idea of how to fish tournaments it just kind of again happened on its own mm-hmm and you'd mentioned that, you know, for you, like the thing that drew you to permit was the challenge. And then you mentioned when you, at one point when you were doing the whole list thing of like literally trying to write out the game plan yeah. of the day, that's, that's very similar to like a regimen for an athlete training. And, yeah. you know, I'm going to yeah. do, I'm going to do this exercise and this exercise and this, uh -huh. you know, and here's what's going to happen with that. And there's these certain factors for you that with your athletics background tie in really well to not just the challenge of permit, but the challenge of tournaments, et right. cetera. What are some some maybe uh, things that you that sports taught you that you felt like were helpful in your kind of pursuit of of permit tarpon bonefish that type of thing? I mean, I, I think it's just like that, just the mindset of just you know not getting defeated, and if you have a good day, not getting too high, and if you had a bad day, not getting too low. That kind of like that even keel mentality, mm -hmm. where you it's you know you kind of punch in, punch out you know, business, like, here, I'm here to do the job. I'm here to execute mm -hmm. and I'm confident in myself. And I know if I'm doing the things that I can do at, to, to my capability, I should be successful. And mm -hmm. if I'm not successful, it's, we got to get back and we, we got to figure out what went wrong and, uh, get back to work mm -hmm. and, uh, and never spending too much time, like resting on your laurels and your, you know, your past success. It's, you know, it, and that's the thing with like with sport, it was just they're constantly looking for a cheaper, faster, stronger version of you. And so mm -hmm. once you've made it there, the hardest part is staying there. Mm -hmm. And and that's the same thing with this fish within this fishery is finding that consistent effort each and every day. You you know, you're tired, you don't feel good, or if you had a bad day, are you gonna come back tomorrow even more hungry or even more mm -hmm. driven? Um and, and I think that that's been the biggest thing is just kind of you know, the mindset, the will, the ability to persevere and, and battle adversity and battle with like, not why, why didn't this go my way? It's, you know, because you didn't work hard. You don't like the results fish better, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's the big thing. It's someone else beat you is because they beat you flat out. You weren't good enough. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you don't like it, it's your fault. It's no one else's fault. You need to hold that accountability and, um, get back to work. In, in what way for you, like, obviously everybody talks about, you know, the importance of time on the water and just the persistence and just kind of day in, day out. It's just like working out, you know, you yeah. can't just like work out one week really hard and then 
not work out for six weeks and then work out one week right. really hard and have the results you want. Same way with fishing. Like you have to have that hard work, but you have to have that consistency throughout it for you. As you look back at your life as, as you were putting in that time and you're putting in that consistency, were there certain milestones that in your mind kind of stand out to you that from, from t-shirt folding to today? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, they're, they're, you know, certainly just like, you know, figuring out new zones within the fishery or, or feeling comfortable to go to a spot now that you haven't fished before. Um, and pulling up and feeling confident and be like, yeah, this feels good. It looks good. Mm -hmm. Like we made the right call to come here at this stage of the tide and shoot, you know, there's no reason they shouldn't be here. And then, you know, one shows up, two shows up and you're like, I mean, this feels really good. I've never fished here. It's a new spot to me. And, um, you know, I, I had the confidence to come over here and do something different. And, um, you know, I, and I know why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so like just those little mo like milestones, I think of just, um, every single day, just trying to fish something new and something better, um, to improve upon itself. But maybe like a specific thing would be, uh, I think when I, I caught like my 10th permit, it was, you know, that, that kind of was like a little bit of like, okay, like you can do this. The first nine felt like just still total luck. Like, mm -hmm. man, do you know what you're doing? Do you, are you believing what you're doing right now? And then, you know, you just get the affirmation and you start to say like, yeah, I know I can do this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm patterning these things. There's, you know, there's something that I'm doing, whether I totally believe it or not is working, is working. Mm -hmm. And, um, and just trusting yourself like that. And, um, but yeah, I mean, that no, no one specific thing. I mean, um, I mean, we, we've caught a lot of awesome fish and I've shared some awesome days on the water with some really spectacular anglers, uh, and friends. Um, and I think, I don't know, just watching them being happy and, you know, enjoying mm -hmm. the, their success and just having the ability just to be a part of that and, and sharing that. And, um, you know, and helping them be just kind of like the best version that they want to be on the water. Not what I want, I want them to look like, but what, you know, they can be, hmm. um, and not getting in the way too, too much. And I think that that happens. You see that in, in sport with overcoaching. And I think you see it sometimes with guiding, just a guide getting too, too involved. Um, you know, part of our job is to, to help them be the best angler that they can be. And if, you know, we're smothering them with too much information or too much, uh, um, constructive criticism it can kind of get in the way you know speaking of that with with you kind of having a chance to fish with some of the you know best anglers in their discipline in the world some of them mm -hmm. and and being able to there's this this kind of sense in which like it's kind of like the old proverb iron sharpens iron right you know, people are for you when you think about in in your life like how some of those people like nathaniel or um you know others maybe have shaped you and then what it looks like for you to try to help shape them. Could you just speak a little bit into that dynamic and maybe some things you've learned from that? Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> again, it goes back to just like, you know, a lot you learn and, you know, when I was a kid just with sport and, you know, you're, you're brushing shoulders with some of these guys who are the best in the world, like, you know, what they do and they're mm -hmm. getting paid a ton of money and, um, to do this. And, you know, you, it's, um, you know, you learn from them, maybe just, you know, some initially it's like mechanically, you know, like watching them cast or, you know, seeing them put the fly there. You know, why'd you put the fly there? You know, what were you seeing? You know, cause I was seeing that the fly should have been five feet left and, and maybe a little bit shorter so that the fish could swim into it. But you 
you did it differently and it all, it worked out great. And mm-hmm. now why, why was that? Why did you make that read? Or why do you think that fish, you know, bent right versus left? Um, and just kind of touch, you know, discussing the analytics on it. But, um, you know, and you, you, you know, if you're attentive and you, you know, your ears are the grindstone, you can, you can learn, um, mm-hmm. but you need to, to be aware and pay attention. Um, because, you know, you get guys who are really good at what they do and really disciplined within their craft that they're not doing things just by chance. Sometimes it's like, well, shoot, I don't know what to do. So I just got to get it in there. And that's like the chance that's all yeah. just calculated risk or calculated, um, you know, air on their side. But, um, the better part of it is it's very thought out in a very quick, quick, you know, fashion, uh, you get, you know, you're discussing time and space, a fish moving two, three, four miles per hour from a hundred feet closing in on you. You know, you've got to make that, that math needs to happen quick. Um, but I'd say from my side, what I try, you know, from a guide too, it's, you know, you got to keep them feeling good. I mean, like Mm -hmm. this is an an emotional game and we're very passionate about it. And, you know, you, you have to figure out what's going to make your, your angler tick. Like, how do you get the most out of them? We're Mm -hmm. only here for, you know, some eight times, only eight hours, sometimes, you know, 14 hours, but you only get you for a piece of time. And I need you to, you know, furthermore, if we make mistakes, I need you to learn from them. And you're, you're far more apt to do that if you're feeling confident about yourself or you want to feel confident about yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, you're, you're heck of a lot better to, to strike at will if you're feeling again, good about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it always changes from angle to angler, but you know, you, you just want to keep your guy or your, 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 your angler or keep her in, in, in the best, best place possible to, to strike. And sometimes that means just not discussing a shot necessarily and just kind of putting it behind us. Cause I know you acknowledged what you did wrong and how you can cr- improve it. And, you know, we don't need to talk about it. Let's just, you know, we'll crack some silly jokes and keep things light. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the next time opportunity presents itself, we want to be want to be sharp. We want to be willing mm. to strike. So it's it's a fine line between just say, you know like you know leaning against somebody or or just trying to like you know push them to feel better. You know, don't worry about it. Put put it behind you. We got another shot coming. Um, and it's a little so managing you know a little bit of personality and managing attitude. Um, you know, because you know Nat's one of the anglers that you know he's he can strike at will and you know guys like joe scrumbellos and dave delue and you know west smith and um you know these guys are are good and you you're there to help them and you know but at the same time like you also are there to help them you know stay out of their own way a little bit Mm -hmm. so they're you know they're not you know in their head too much and so yeah it's it's a balancing act at times when you talk about like, let's kind of be like a little specific. When you think about a great permit angler, what are the things that they do that make them great? Um, I, I think they're very, they're, they're confident in what they can and can't do. Like they, they know, mm-hmm. you know, you, you look at an older gentleman who's been fishing for a long time and he knows like, you know, he's caught a bunch of permit and he knows like I'm a, I'm a 60 foot shot tops. I got no back cast. And, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to get the fly there. And then they can't do that. Mm-hmm. But for you as an, a guide, it's just getting them there. Um, so I'd say number one would be just, you know, they know what they can and can't do. And they're, and they're very vocal about it. Um, another one would be, you know, having the ability to see the fish before a guide. And you know, that's extremely important. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you got to be sharp on the bow. You got to be... Um, you know, we 
you know, you got to be wanting to see the fish before the guide. You got to have that hunger, you know, mm-hmm. that assertiveness. Um, another great quality again is just having the ability to, to make first shot opportunities. I'm not saying it's, you know, there's been, a, there's more times than not, you're going to catch the fish on the second or third shot. Um, but having the ability to want to get the fly there mm-hmm. on first shot opportunities. Um, and then just patience and poise. I mean, those are the things like you, you, you got to possess, you got to have a little bit of ice running through your veins. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get again, too, too high or too low. It's an even keel mentality. Um, you know, I guess you could say, you know, when you're, when you're rushing or you're, you're doing anything like that, it's not going to solve any problem. Mm-hmm. Your problems are only going to get bigger. So just don't panic, relax. It's just a fish. We, we kind of create this, this permit to be bigger than it is. It's not, mm-hmm. it's a fish. And, you know, we, we we're going to go out we're going to do a, a couple things. Right. And I believe, you know, I believe like 80, 20, you do 80% right. The other 20 is on the fish. You know, mm-hmm. she's the one that's got to eat it. But if we have the right fly, the right knots, the right presence in the water, the right approach on the water, you know, we're, we're curating the strongest probability we can to go, go out and hook one of these things and have a great day. So it's, you know, I'd say, you know, just first shot opportunities, you know, the ability to see fish really, really well, um, mechanically knowing what you can and can't do, um, you know, just and having, you know, having options within your cast, back cast or, you know, forward cast, double haul, um, you're, you're opening yourself up to more opportunities, but you don't need to be, you don't need to be a, a surgeon on the bow. Like, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of really capable anglers who can just cast to 50 feet. And the second that flies in the water, they just know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And they're comfortable. They're, they're patient within the process and, um, they're going to let the fish eat the fly. You're not going to mm-hmm. pull it away from it. Um, one of the things I was curious too is, you know, like obviously when you're, when you're permit fishing, it's, it's most scenarios it's it's not a fish where people have the expectation to get tons of shots a day Mm -hmm. tons and tons of shots a day or like maybe like they would other species of fish you know there's a hunting there's a stalking to it yeah and so one of the things i was curious about is like when it's a more rare thing you know it it puts a lot of pressure on having everything in the right place set up the right way before that the opportunity presents itself for you what are the things that you try to do to to kind of help yourself have the highest likelihood of success before the fish even shows? Um, you know, keeping the boat where I feel like the fish should present itself with the right light. Um, really important, you know, to, is, is light. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a heck of a lot easier to catch them when you can see them versus Mm -hmm. you can't. Um, and again, just slow it, slowing down. You know, you, if you feel like you're in the right spot and on the right flat, don't, don't leave it, you mm-hmm. know, give it time and be patient. Um, and then, you know, just discussing it with your angler, you know, you, the more you fished with an individual, um, they're, they're going to know your tendencies. You guys are going to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, you've likely fished a lot of the same flats together. So you're, you know, you're not over, you're not talking about it, but you're both kind of looking in the right way or in the right places. Um, but if you got somebody new, you got to kind of, you know, you're really, you know, that's what they're paying you to do mm-hmm. and, you know, put them in position and, you know, you've got to pick up a lot of that, you know, loose change because they're new to this. And mm-hmm. so you've got to, you know, you're making sure that they're, they're looking in one specific spot and not scanning. Um, 
kind of telling them, you know, you're anticipating the shot to come at 50 feet or 60 feet. It's a right shoulder wind. You know, you're going to have to take it on your forehand. So just, you know, we're going to have a water haul um, and we're going to work around the clock because if the shot comes at 10, um, you know, we're, we're going to be in a pretty vulnerable spot with the wind. But, you know, water haul one, you know, water haul to 11 o'clock and then on that third water haul, you know, push mm -hmm. it to 10. Um, so just little, you know, situations like that, you're, you're really trying to, you know, create this, this vivid image in their mind of what to expect. And, but at the end of the day, you don't want to make, for me, I don't want to make it any more complicated than it needs to be. You know, mm -hmm. let's, I want to get you in front of the fish. And, um, from that point on, it's, you know, let's just get it there, hit the target, just hit the target and, and we'll worry about the, you know, the rest as we move forward. What are the big mistakes that you see people make? Like that maybe are particular to your style of fishing? Um, starting to cast too soon would be one. Um, I th I say that's the biggest mistake or, or if it is windy, spending too much time in the air, double hauling, use just water load it, just pick up, set down, pick up, set down, pick up, set down. Like that's can't be too creative when it's, when it's honking under the right conditions, especially for permit, mm -hmm. um, stripping line out of the boat. Um, which is again, just, a, it's, it's a habit that, you know, you, you learn with time. Um, but other than that, man, not, not too many, like, again, it's part of my job is to make this as easy as possible and try to like mm -hmm. bring the level anxiety and stress down in the boat. And, um, and usually I tell all new anglers, if, if your expectations of me exceed my ability, um, uh, we're, we're, we're going to have a bad time and that goes vice versa. Like I can't have, you know, higher expectations of you than what your ability is at the time. So mm -hmm. if you're, if you're just a, you know, total fresh to this thing, like, you know, it's there, you're going to make mistakes. That's mm -hmm. totally okay. That's acceptable. Like that's how you're going to learn throughout mm -hmm. this. Um, but if I think like you're, you know, a total stud and like you should be making these 80 foot shots, like, man, that's not fair to you either. So mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, just, just being mindful of, you know, what, what your fly line's doing in the boat and, um, you know, just trying your best. I'd say that's the biggest thing. Just try your best. When you think about your kind of evolution as a guide, what's been the biggest challenge for you and how have you overcome that challenge? If you've feel like you've have overcome it. Um, my biggest challenge, I guess would, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, dude, you're learning about yourself every single day. I mean, every challenge is it's, you're never going to see the same mm -hmm. one. I mean, like, I think the biggest thing for me would be like, you know, some of the fish that don't bite that, you know, they're not going to bite. Why aren't they biting? How do we get them to bite? And mm -hmm. sometimes those don't, those just don't have an answer mm -hmm. right now. Um, but I would say just, you know, for me would be just furthering my range. Mm -hmm. Um, initially was like, you know, you, again, you hold on to the things that you really, you really like, and you know, you're, you have a lot of trust that they should work and then they just don't work. And now you've got to, you know, you've got to go find new fish and new water and, you know, and just making yourself available to that. And, um, you know, just again, having confidence, like, okay, this is, this is not what I want for today's fishing, but we're going to go figure it out somewhere else mm -hmm. and we're going to do it and we're going to have a great freaking time and we're going to be positive and we're going to embrace the challenge. And, uh, I just find out time and time again, like the amount of places that I go that are new to me and I've never really fished, especially on a charter. Um, 
and you go in there and you have success and you're mm-hmm. like, man, maybe, maybe the world's just writing itself for me right now for, yeah. for going out and doing something different that, uh, I, d- I generally don't do all the time. And, um, so yeah, I would say like the biggest problem is just not falling into habit and, and, you know, making sure you're, you're going out and trying to learn new water each mm-hmm. and every day. Let's say that we were taking you and we were dropping you in a fishery that you've never been before. And so, you know, obviously you talked about like the importance of light. So you can try to put yourself in a yeah. good situation with light. You're going to try to be in, you know, something that looks fishy. What, what to you, like when you're thinking about trying to find a fishy spot a spot that looks really good, what types of things are you looking for that kind of you're keyed into? Uh, current access to deep water. Um, just modeled bottom, uh, grassy bottom, mixture mm-hmm. bottom, um, spots that, that are exposed on low water, mm-hmm. uh, that you feel like should be, you know, proper on high water. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, yeah, just, just, just stuff. Yeah, I gra- you know, again, like model bottom access to, to, to deep water pretty closely because I know I'm going to have the current. Um, and then from that point on, it's just trying to figure out, you know, what, what life, you mm-hmm. know, you get to a spot, is there life? Is, is there, are there critters moving around? Are there sharks? Are there rays? Are there birds? Are there, um, you know, are there aggrets and, and, and herons on the flat when it's, you know, the water's too low, like, you know, just stuff like that. And, and then once that tide comes up, it's like, you know, trying to find those, those troughs or the, the highways those fish should kind of be pushing on. And, um, and, but the best part is it's like, you don't know what to expect. You mm-hmm. know, that's the, the neat part is like, you don't know. And they could come, you know, you might have this idea, like it makes sense to you. This is how it's going to work. And they do something totally different. And that's, that's pretty cool. Um, being humbled constantly. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, I think that, um, I think that for a lot of people, like they, it goes back to enjoying the challenge or, or being okay if it doesn't go exactly right. Like I guess even managing your own expectation, that's sometimes the hardest, hardest expectation to manage on the boat is your own, you know, yeah. your own one. I'm kind of curious. I, I asked this, uh, I've asked this question a few times before, but if there were such a thing like to you, what would be the perfect permit shot? Perfect permit shot. Um, I mean, obviously like, a herd of mutters in deep water coming to you. Um, but for me, if I had to have like, I mean, I don't know, big fish tailing skinny water, uh, for me, um, another, you know, just an overlooked shot is like a fish going away. You know, you can, if you can tuck that fly over her shoulder and she can see that fly drop, I mean, she's all eyes are away from you. Mm-hmm. You know, and when she does turn and, you know, to engage with that fly or interact with it, when they turn, they're turning with their head down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did one of two things happen. Like, you know, either you're going to spook them or, you know, you're, you know, some good things could happen. Um, I've always been, a, you know, a good, you know, big fan of your fish kind of going away. If you can deliver it there. Yeah. That's, is there, is there a key to that? The delivery of a fish going away? I mean, yeah, it's just, I'd say put it like a fish or a, a fish length or two past her. I mean, mm-hmm. longer is better as long as you can kind of keep it up and show the drop. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, you, you obviously run the risk cause you're, you're laying line over the fish's back, but mm-hmm. 
again, she's looking away and she engages with that fly. And if she does turn to the boat, um, usually her head's down mm-hmm. and it's, it's a cool shot. It's, I get super excited about it. Um, I mean, but it's also hard to turn down like a mudding fish and mm-hmm. a little bit deeper water. If, if you're good, I'd love to just pop a couple rapid fire questions kind of, and, and see where it goes. Sure. Yeah. So what advice would you give to somebody who, or not what advice, but what, what's the best thing you can do when you have a fish coming to the boat and it's coming faster than you can reel? Any uh, just put your rod tip in the water. And if you can walk, if you can walk the skiff to remain tension, like walking back, um, I mean, that opens yourself to a bunch of other problems like falling in. Uh, but at the very least, just immediately you get the sense that fish is coming to you, rod tip in the water and reel like heck. Mm-hmm. Outside of bonefish tarpon permit, what's your favorite fish to chase around here? Uh, honestly, I haven't done much outside of that. Uh, I don't know, boxfish, they're pretty cool. Um, I, I, I disregard that barracuda for sure. Yeah. Barracuda for sure. They're wild. What's uh, your, your kind of switch up look like going from like summertime and more into winter? I mean, I think we, I'm going to fish for permit likely as long as, as I possibly can. Um, and I've got the guys who are, are totally down to like go get, look for a shot or two in 65 degree water if we had to. Um, but I would say, yeah, and definitely, you know, once, once the gold cup's done and, you know, we're prepping for, for the Dell, um, I'm pretty much all permit focused, mm-hmm. um, and bonefish, don't get me wrong, uh, moving through the fall and then, you know, you hit winter, then we, you know, if we got a cuda fish or we're prepping for the, the cuda bowl, then that's exactly what we'll do. What, what's your approach if, if, if somebody's on the bow of your boat and they're just like falling apart? You've talked a lot about trying to get them yeah. confident, try to encourage them. Like what tips do you have or, or methods do you have to try to help them get it together? It's that it, man, it's all good. And you know, like do you, you know, you're, you're, you, this is for starters, this is your time, mm-hmm. you know, like you've, you've hired me to do this thing and I don't want to help you do it. Um, but if you're having a total come apart, it's just, just relax. Like, remember, it's supposed to be fun. And if this isn't fun for you and then just, I don't know, go do something else. I'm sure your wife and kids would be a heck of a lot happier for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, and just relax, just have fun, be light, like let it come to you. You can't force these things. And it's just a matter of, you know, getting yourself in the right place, the, you know, and hopefully the fish meet us halfway. Um, but yeah, just, just relax, man. It's all going to be good. It's all yeah. going to be good. So my next question is, are there any books, articles, things outside of fishing that you feel like have helped you grow as a guide? Um, yeah, I mean, just, just light reading, um, you know, just, you know, like, you know, Jocko's book, just, you know, talking about accountability and just learning, you know, the right ways to deal with adversity and, and leadership and, and working with groups and, um, again, how to get the most out of this little time that we have. Um, I was exposed early on to one of John, John O'Hearn's articles that he wrote, mm-hmm. uh, regarding tarpon fishing. That was, you know, I, he sent it to me like pictures from his phone. Uh, and I, and I find myself reading that, you know, once or twice a season. And, mm-hmm. um, and then honestly, the, the passion for permit book, um, the, the, the interview they did with Steve and Dustin, I, I still read that a bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I read that almost every night initially just because it's 
you know, again, like you don't have, you know, like somebody you can reach out to. And so again, like reading their experiences and, mm-hmm. and, and, and again, like, like that's a form of like, you know, just, just learning from it as much as you can. Um, and then outside of that, just, I don't know, I, I, I follow again, a lot of sports and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very in tune to, I like to watch interviews after games and hearing how guys are carrying themselves, especially after a tough loss or a big win. And, mm-hmm. um, just the mindset those guys keep themselves in and, um, never very, never, ever satisfied with, with where they're at. Always this, this drive to, to, to work harder and be mm-hmm. better. Um, but then also having the ability to, you know, go home, be a father, be a husband, um, leave a good day or a bad day at the door and then, mm-hmm. you know, come home and be the man that you're supposed to be. What's your favorite ideal leader setup for a permit? Uh, I mean, you can, you know, I think we were all kind of fishing 50, 40, mm-hmm. 30, 16. Um, we've fished a number of times straight 50 to the 16, mm-hmm. which knots tough, but it knots fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you need something that's going to turn the fly over. So, um, definitely still, you know, my, my leader set, like I said, is, you know, 50, 40, a jumper of 30 and then, you know, 16. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's plenty fine. I mean, you could drop down to 12, but I don't know how much of a difference it, it ultimately makes. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, just improve blood knots. Um, I mean, Bimini is great, but it, it also occupies a lot more space in the water column. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, 50, 40, 30 mm-hmm. to 16. For you, what outside of, um, like your rods and reels, are there any like essential boat things that you like to bring with you that, you know, items or things that, that are either significant or make your day a lot more enjoyable or. Yeah. Um, uh, I bring extra sunglasses. Got to have those. Uh, no, nothing, nothing too much, man. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty light as far as the day. And once we get in the skiff, I'm pretty, pretty focused on, on fishing and fishing, mm-hmm. um, solely. Um, I do like to have some food in the boat now and snack on that. But, uh, I kind of try not to forget any of my rain gear, you know, you're getting stuck, especially like what we had today or a pop-up storm comes. It's, you know, you, you can get pretty cold this time of the year, believe it or not, um, just from the wind and rain. But um, other than that, yeah, man, no, no, like real superstitious stuff that I feel like I need to to carry on with me. Well, a lot of athletes, you know, people who have athletic backgrounds, you kind of develop these superstitions where you don't believe them, but it doesn't feel right. You yeah, know, like you're like wearing these socks. You're like these are the socks, and you're like, I, I don't think deep down a lot of people really believe that there's any <laughs> yeah. magical power yeah. in these socks, but it also feels weird, like. Or if you wear your watch every day and you forget yeah. to put your watch on, you're out there and you're like, you know, it doesn't matter, but like, you're like, man, it feels, yeah. feels I, off. Sometimes I, I do, I, like I specifically will leave my watch at home because you're constantly checking the time. And like, yeah. again, like just kind of removing that, like you, you know, if you, you need to know what time it is, you mm-hmm. can check, just check your phone or check your, you know, your GPS. But um, yeah, no, no, no major superstitions. Um, I do kind of get attached to like maybe a buff or a hat at whatever mm-hmm. time that's been fishing well. And I'll wear that maybe till there you a heck of a lot longer that's the than I should. Yeah. Um, I used to have like a, a sweatshirt that I would wear in the middle of the summer. It was super holy and um, definitely should have probably been thrown away. But I mean, you, I don't know, you, you look at it and you, you, you trust it and, it and you feel like it trusts you and mm-hmm. you know, you go about your day. 
how do you think through like organizing tackle? Are you somebody that's pretty minimalistic or do you have loads and loads of different flies and fly lines? I mean, how do you try to think through the system of your tackle? Um, I mean, I have like, as far as flies go, there's a handful of flies that I would say like are the cookie cutter that I always like to have that I'm always going to throw. Um, but I'm pretty, you know, again, like I'm, I'm pretty open to trying things like, I think a good cast is going to catch more fish and then mm-hmm. a good fly. Um, so we'll, you know, we've caught them on, caught them on everything. So mm-hmm. I'll, you know, if someone's like, Hey, this, I think this fly is awesome. It's like, all right, cool. Let's, let's go. Let's see what it does. Mm-hmm. And in the back of your mind, you're probably like, man, I don't, I don't know, but mm-hmm. you, you get it out there and the fish responds to it. And you're like, okay, well, I learned something today. Maybe I wouldn't throw that exact fly, but I'll take a, a piece from it and I'll mm-hmm. apply it to something else I'm going to tie. Um, but I, I keep things pretty light. I get a small bag and, um, you know, enough, plenty of flies for the, for the day, even if we, you know, we went through a heck of them. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, a gear junkie by, by anything. Pretty much, uh, I'd say I'm pretty minimalist. My last question for you is if you uh, could go back and kind of give yourself a couple bullet points of, advice or maybe lessons learned that you could have softened a little bit what, what would those bullet points be um i mean i look back to like just the process of learning and and, and having this thing be you know so new um I, to not ever like lose that again that 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 new spot feeling mm-hmm. and 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 really really embracing and really enjoying that that you know, when I first came down here, um, cause again, I was, I was super fixated on like trying to figure this out that sometimes you, you get a little ahead of yourself. Um, or sometimes the, you know, you let a moment, um, slip by that you, you never really got to have the time to really cherish. Um, so I would say just, you know, really being present and, and enjoying the process of learning and figuring it out and, mm. and seeing the fishery through your own eyes. Um, and then outside of that, just, I don't know. I mean, just, just enjoy your company, enjoy the people in the community, uh, get involved even, you know, and I think that's, I got pushed to do, you know, the the LKGA and I still feel like, man, I don't know a lot about this stuff, but if, you know, if you're going to have, you know, a voice on some of these issues, it's great to, you know, to be involved and and Mm -hmm. you might not have all the right answers, but I can promise you that what you're talking about is coming from a passionate place and and Mm -hmm. you know people care um and so just you know just again just enjoying enjoying what you have and and being present and not you know bad days are great days because you're going to learn and a good day is is just that and you know put it put it away for a rainy day to pull out and and kind of kind of cherish um but you know just every day is a good day to be on the water and to learn and to improve and to you know hone in on a skill set well, I really appreciate you just for giving me a little bit of time today and, you know, kind of sharing a little bit of your world and, and, uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. No, man. Thank you very much for having me. This was fun. Thanks again for listening to the captain's collective. Please help us out by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast. We hope that you enjoy. This is the captain's collective.
Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.